Welcome to On The Rise, a podcast about female college tennis players on the way up. On The Rise serves compelling stories and unique voices in women's college tennis. This is your host, Perry Shinen. In this episode of On The Rise, I will be speaking with Asha Roll, the Director of Tennis at New York Junior Tennis and Learning, the largest nonprofit youth tennis and education program in the nation. NYJTL serves over 10,000 kids per year through after-school and community tennis programs. As a pro, Asha reached the third round of the 2007 U.S. Open and achieved a career-high world ranking of number 82. Now she mentors players and coaches of all ages and abilities in the Bronx. Hi, welcome to another episode of On The Rise Podcast. This is your host, Perry, and I'm joined today by Asha Roll from NYJTL. Asha, how are you? I'm fine, Perry. Thank you for having me today. Well, thank you so much for being here. My first question off the bat is what motivates you? I mean, obviously such, you know, such incredible work that you've been doing at NYJTL, but you know, what, where does it come from for you? Tennis opened so many doors for me. So this is kind of my way of giving back to a sport that gave me so much. I oversee the center at Cary Leeds, which is in the middle of the South Bronx. That's the poorest congressional district in all of the United States. So it's been a big goal of mine to try to bridge that gap between commercial and community. I've seen tennis now from all levels, like grassroots all the way up to the pros. So just being able to give as many kids an opportunity to see something new and find ways out through the sport has been a real passion of mine. And in terms of the students that you teach, what is the difference between working with a kid versus working with an adult? I treat them all the same. I think that's probably what my students appreciate, especially my adult students. I train them as if I'm training a high-performance junior. If it's a little kid, obviously, it's developmental stages. But I respect the player enough to teach them all the same information. What makes a good coach? Having a good eye, being able to determine what the player needs, right? Not everybody has the same game style. Not everybody has the same body style. So being able to identify what that player's strengths are naturally and then grow them in that area, you know, highlight their strengths and hide their weaknesses. I think those are all things that develop a good coach. Also being able to impact them outside of the tennis court. You know, being able to have an impact on a total person, not just their tennis skills. So I hope that with the organization, we're raising good people, not just good tennis players. Do you still play yourself? A little bit. Not a lot. I can't move all that well. So I get too frustrated if I can't do some of the things I used to be able to do. So (laughs) I just coach more than like physically play play. But I can still hit and do all that with the juniors. You played at such a high level, but let's go back to the start. How did you start playing? I was a bit of a tomboy. I followed my brothers everywhere. And there were some local basketball courts in our neighborhood. And right behind the basketball courts were some tennis courts. And my brothers got tired of me following them around. So they saw over there that there were some kids having lessons. So they said, maybe we should put you in lessons over there. I think back then it was like $20 a week do an hour after school program. So my mom was like, sure, go and try, see how you like it. And I loved it. The coaches said she's really good. She has natural talent, definitely keep her in the sport. And that was the beginning of it. That transition from juniors to pros, what Mm -hmm. was that like for you? It was interesting because I was homeschooled after the seventh grade. So I was always kind of preparing myself to be a professional player. Did you regret looking back that you didn't play college tennis or is that something that, you know, you always want to stand by? 
Yeah, it worked for me. I don't have any regrets. I'm happy that I was able to go on tour. I feel like I was able to get an education that the tour was able to provide me. I think I've been on every continent except Antarctica. So that was obviously an education within itself. I've since now gone to college online and I have a degree now after the fact. But I think that at that point in my life, my game was ready. I was invested, right? I had worked for it since the seventh grade. So it was kind of always my path. It was how it was supposed to happen. I don't have any regrets on that one. I mean, I was in every country, right? I can remember going to Morocco and seeing the sites there and seeing the tannery and smelling the tannery and learning about their food and learning about their people. And then going to Estoril, Portugal and seeing the beautiful mountains and also the water and getting to know their culture and their food. I was in Australia for like two months where I got to learn about the aboriginals and how they live on these reservations. And we traveled to these small cities and I was learning and experiencing things that, like you said, maybe people never get to do in a lifetime. So it was an amazing experience all while playing a sport I loved so much. And it molded me as a person. I feel like after doing that job, I can do any job. You know, you have to win to get to the next tournament or the pressure of winning a match to survive on tour. The discipline that you have to have to continue to train. Sometimes it's lonely. You're out there by yourself. So if you can overcome all the challenges that the tour brings, I feel like I'm ready for anything now. How did you deal with loneliness? There's like a core group of girls that become your friends. You know, the Americans stick together or the Italians may stick together. You kind of travel the circuit together and you have that sisterhood and that camaraderie. You're not friends with everyone because obviously you have to compete against these people every week. So there's that to it as well. But I think if you just have a nice group of core group of people that you trust, you can make it through. Something I so admire about Roger Federer in one of his interviews, he referenced how much he loves traveling. And after all these years, he still loves traveling. Did you ever get burned out from travel or you always loved it? Yes, I'm burned out now. <laughs> I've traveled enough. <laughs> Sometimes there's some opportunities to travel with players and stay out on the tour and do different things with them. But I learned to appreciate sitting still. I can remember traveling so much on the tour and when I came home and just got to cook in my kitchen or clean my house or make up my bed, like those were the things that I wasn't able to do often. So I really appreciated them now. I've grown to enjoy the normalcy of being in one place and making a home. And so I've done my travel for a lifetime until I go on vacation or something. That's about it. When you started on tour, what were your goals? When I first started on the tour, my goals were to experience the tour. I don't think I had any high expectations yet. I was new. I was still trying to understand what my level could bring, what I needed to learn. So I don't think I came in there with like Coco Golf, like I want to be number one in the world. <laughs> it wasn't like that for me. I knew that it was going to be a process and I had to work through it. And so when did you start your degree after your pro career? So I've actually graduated two years ago, or when was the pandemic? One year ago or two years ago now? I have no idea. <laughs> yeah. So I was able to finish kind of in that time frame. I got my degree in business and I went to the University of Phoenix, their online program. I learned a lot. I enjoyed studying. That is really cool. And so let's say you have a student that's a junior who's going to decide between pros and college. What would you tell them? It depends on their skill level. 
If they're exceptional, I would say go to pros. If they're mediocre, I would say go to college. And you could always come out and then go back on the tour. What is it, like a 5% chance of making it as a pro? You know, the odds are very slim. They obviously work to a certain point where they've gotten their tennis good enough if they're considering these things, right? So why not get yourself a full scholarship somewhere, pay for your education. You've invested so much into your tennis, let it pay for your education and then see what happens. But if they're like a baby Roger Federer or something, you know, <laughs> then go for it. <laughs> it's just so rare. <laughs> Do you have students right now that are in that space right before college or right before pro? I have kids that are preparing to be D1 college players right now. So they're very good. They're ranked high nationally. They travel around. They're preparing themselves to get into the best schools that they're looking at. It's a very exciting and stressful time. It is. It's a lot for them, but they're staying to course. You know, the kids I want to impact even more, though, are the ones that may play tennis for a lifetime. They may not be high-level college players or pro players, but they need to get out of a bad situation. So giving them tennis as a tool to escape, you know, the center for them may be a safe house or a safe haven. Those are the ones that sometimes get overlooked, but they need our help as well. Moving from the pro career to the life after... I'm curious what that was like for you. It was an interesting transition for me. It was almost like I needed to reinvent myself. After my career, maybe six months after, I moved to New York, and I felt like I became someone new. I was now Asha the coach, not Asha the professional tennis player. So that was very refreshing for me. I also had a bunch of housewives at the first job that I went to, and I enjoyed developing them as players. And then I got some high-performance juniors, and I helped them as well. It was just me learning how to help people through tennis, not as the player, as the coach now. Go back to that first job. Did you think about your pro career all the time? I didn't. I think I've, I don't know, I've compartmentalized that. At times, I forget I played on the tour until people ask me questions about it, to be honest with you. I don't know if that's what I had to do to escape or have a new start. I kind of stay in this life, I guess. <laughs> Maybe I've, this is my second life. <laughs> so going back to your career on the road, women's college teams are often places where, you know, body image really comes up a lot. And since you weren't in a team atmosphere, did you find mm -hmm. that you were kind of able to maintain your own body positivity? Yeah, I don't think I had any body issues. There was a one time when I made my big run at the U.S. Open. I think that's when I made my career high ranking of 82 in the world. I made the third round. And there were some comments about my body. I don't know if it was my stomach or whatever. I was like, listen, I just made the highest result of my life. Like, <laughs> I don't care if my stomach is out, whatever it is. <laughs> like, It was so silly. But I can remember my coaches were like, all right, you need to do extra fitness and all this stuff. It was silly. I didn't have body image issues. That wasn't something that hampered me. Where do you see the future of women's tennis? I think it's bright, especially women's American tennis. I think it's doing amazing. You know, Coco Golf and all the young ones at the helm. I actually got to go last weekend to the Billie Jean King Cup. They played against Ukraine. We got to meet Billie Jean, which was amazing. She's a great pioneer for women, as you know. 
So I think that women's tennis is in a very good state from those very young ones, the 14 year olds that I just got to work with to the Coco Goffs of the world. So even some of the girls that have been around for a while, you know, we saw Jessica Pagula. She played on tour when I was still out there, but she's still doing amazing. Shelby Rogers, Asia Muhammad. So I think they're going to be great. My name is Asha Roll, and I am on the ride. And this is your host, Perry, and this has been another episode of On the Rise podcast. This has been an episode of On the Rise, a Tennis Channel podcast in partnership with Behind the Racket and produced by Molly Schulson. Join us next time to continue our conversation about women's college tennis. This is Perry Shinen, On the Rise.